Hey, hey, y'all. Cable here. This week's show brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Llano, Texas. Right now, my buddy Clayton Leverett is offering a special trophy package for the 2016-17 whitetail season. It's any buck up to 199 inches for seven grand. Yes, I know. That's a lot of money. But so are deer leases, fuel, corn, feed, all that stuff. It adds up. So, if you want a no-hassle whitetail experience at a beautiful ranch that's been in the Leverett family since 1892, then go to com. Tell Clayton I sent you. He'll take good care of you. That's thestillwatersranch.com in Llano, Texas. Folks said that I would change my mind. I'd straighten up and do just fine. Ah, but I still love rock and roll. Beautiful Texas and beyond. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Hope that you and yours are rolling with the flow this weekend. I know I am, and there is no place I'd rather be than right here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. So uh, thank you so much for being here. It is a treat and a privilege to get to talk hunting and fishing with you guys and gals, uh, you know what to do by now because we've got a great show lined up for you today. Go ahead, pour yourself another cup of coffee, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. We've got a ton to get into, and off the top, uh, we're going to talk some Bob White quail. Uh, last year, 2015, was a banner year. The quail came back, uh, and I know a lot of folks had absolutely just given up on Mr. Bob White, but he is back, and 2016 should be another great year. Uh, so we're excited to have the Quail Coalition Executive Director Jay Stein drop by the studio here in just a little bit. So lots of quail talk coming at you this morning. Uh, after that, uh, tarpon, that's what we're going to get into, tarpon, a fish that, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not real familiar with. I've never caught one, but man, I'm intrigued by them, and uh, when you talk about bucket list fish that I want to check off my list. It's probably number one. Uh, so anyway, Captain Mike Holliday, our good friend from Coast of Sunglasses and longtime fisherman off the Florida coast will be here and uh, we'll get into some tarpon talk this morning. Uh, after that, we'll take a look at how duck production has been this summer. Uh, Kirby Brown, longtime conservation outreach biologist for Ducks Unlimited, makes his return to the show, and we'll discuss water conditions not only in nesting habitat up north, but also uh, rice production and water levels here on the Texas landscape as well. It should translate into a great season, but Kirby will uh, provide a lot more insight on that front here today. And then we'll wrap up this morning's broadcast by checking in with our buddy Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters. A lot of folks ask me, hey, what does it take to get into the hunting industry as far as becoming a guide or outfitter? And to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you because the only thing that I've ever guided for professionally is spring turkey. And while I absolutely love guiding spring turkey, uh, it's such a part-time thing that I'm really not the person to be asking about becoming a full-time or even part-time uh, professional outfitter. But our buddy Brett, Man, he had a full-time job a couple years ago uh, working for the man, 
But he is living the dream now, took that suit and tie, threw it in the trash, and he is <laughs> guiding uh, dove, ducks, hogs, I mean, you name it. He's obviously loving what he's doing, but we'll find out if it's a walk in the park or if the stress and long hours are every bit as demanding as uh, having a regular nine-to-five job. And uh, I guess we'll call the segment, So You Want to Be an Outfitter. And this is not to deter anyone. It's actually just to provide some insight on what it takes to uh, become a full-time professional hunting guide. Uh, So interesting stuff coming up at the bottom of the hour, to say the least. I want to mention also... That man, we had a great time at Guns and Guitars 2 at Coons Canyon Ranch. We had five hunters come out for an amazing weekend of hunting. Uh, trophy axis deer, and actually one hunter uh, shot an orx. My buddy Evan, his first ever big game animal, and I was right there in the blind with him. So that was especially cool for me because uh, Evan and I have been buddies since seventh grade. Finally got him into hunting. This was his first hunting trip ever. I'm sitting there in the blind with him. And he's actually using my Horizon 7 mag. He puts it on this Oryx. And to be honest with you, I'm backing him up with a different rifle because I'm thinking, oh, man, Evan's going to wound this thing. Hunting's going to be ruined for him forever. No. He dropped it in its tracks. I was so proud of him. And it was so cool to be there and watch my buddy take his first big game animal. So uh, y'all take someone new hunting. That's the message there. And I got sidetracked, but uh, awesome time at Guns and Guitars. Max Stalling and Mark David Manders came and played on Friday and Saturday night. And <laughs> let me tell you, those two know how to party. I mean, Mark David Manders, whoo, that guy is a hoot. So uh, a great weekend of hunting and awesome Texas country music. Uh, special thanks to Glenn Underwood and his wife, Jane, uh, for hosting the event at Coons Canyon Ranch. Truly was awesome. Well, just looking at my notes here, uh, we've got two giveaways today. The first one, we're going to give away a pair of Costa Del Mar sunglasses. That's right, live on the radio today, we're giving away a pair of Costa sunglasses. Stay tuned for our interview with Captain Mike Holliday. Pay attention when he talks about the biggest tarpon to ever come over the rail of his boat. Uh, So that's all I'm going to tell you about that, but stay tuned because we're going to give away a pair of Costa sunglasses on the broadcast. And then let's go ahead and do our other giveaway right now. We've got a Texas Trophy Hunter prize pack. Third person to text in the word TARPON, that's TARPON, to 214-289-7807, will win VIP passes to the Texas Trophy Hunter show of their choice. That's right. And don't forget that uh, the extravaganza season kicks off next weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, But we'll give this morning's winner a pair of VIP tickets and a Texas Trophy Hunters cap. So text in the word TARPON to 214-289-7807 to win a couple Texas Trophy Hunter VIP passes and cap. And those will get you into the show of your choice, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, or Corpus Christi. Well, let's take a quick break here. Up next, we're talking Bob White Quail with Jay Stein of the Quail Coalition, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Good old music, my heart sure could use it. Live it up a little while we can. Playing in a back porch bluegrass band. 
Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. If you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide Scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey, this is Chris Knight, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. But I sit down by the highway, I hear those big cats growl. Where the quail gonna fly to, where will the rabbits run Yes, sir, little Chris Knight bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith. Dirt is the name of that one, one of my favorite tunes. Where are the quail going to fly to? Where will the rabbits run now? We're actually going to talk some quail conservation here in just a minute. But uh, first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get plugged in with this great group of like-minded folks who are passionate about conservation education, and hunter's rights, check us out at biggame.org. Well, uh, moving right along here, 2015 was a stellar rebound year for the bobwhite quail. Hunters hadn't seen this number of coveys in years and years, Uh, so very encouraging to see uh, the quail rebound like they did. And so joining us now live in studio to talk a little bit about the bobwhite recovery as well as this great organization 
I'm proud to be a part of. It's my pleasure to welcome Quell Coalition Executive Director Jay Stein to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's certainly a pleasure. Uh, first of all, how's your summer been? Uh, pretty good. Hot. We had a lot of rain early, but it, it kind of disappeared. So now I'm, I'm ready for some cooler weather. Oh, yeah. It was nice to get that shower, a little shower we had up here anyway this week. So. Absolutely. But, hey, the cooler break uh, in the weather is good for quail. Mm-hmm. It's exciting times for quail enthusiasts and conservationists as bobwhite numbers and scale quail. Uh, they've been great. Last year, it looks like we're going to have good recruitment uh, this year as well. And it's, you know, we need rain, but they need to be timely rains. And it seems like, uh, you know, we had them early enough this year where, you know, nesting was successful. That's exactly right. The the spring rains help with the, the uh, vegetation growth, and that's what the quail need for, for food and cover. And uh, But, you you know, you can't go two or three months without a rain. We need a little rain here and there, which is, is good. Looks like we may get some this summer, but yeah. uh, carry us on through the fall. Well, yeah, and when we talk about last year as kind of a, a banner year, I don't know when the last year we saw like that was, but how long ago was it when we had that many quail on the landscape? You know, I get to talk to a lot of quail hunters, and I think it's probably around 20 to 25 years. Wow. Uh, a lot of people have to go back to the 80s or early 90s to have, have years that good. We've had some one-off years here and there, but nothing like we had in 2015. Yeah, yeah. And that just goes to prove how, you know, people are like, well, if we just had the weather, the birds would come back. And they did. So that's, you know, that was exciting to see how, you know, when you talk about boomer bust, that's bobwhite quail is a definition of a boomer bust species. Right. And it's very encouraging because, uh, honestly, a lot of people had pretty much given up on quail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the populations were so depressed that many thought they would never really bounce back to where they were. And uh, to have a year like we had last year kind of puts the wind back in our sails as far as uh, fundraising and, and keep doing what we do to conserve quail populations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like any conservation organization. Every species benefits when you do habitat work. Absolutely, and, right. Um, I learned something interesting this week. I was telling you off the air, I came across a, uh, a bobwhite and a couple chicks down in Rock Springs. On, we're doing an access deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, got the camera out and was just filming. And uh, the parent wouldn't wouldn't get far away from the nest. Then I looked at the video afterwards and I was talking to it like, Hey mama, you know, how you doing? And I realized it's a rooster and I had no idea that the, uh, the male quail actually had anything to do with uh, chick rearing. Yeah. They play an active role, uh, from, from the egg stage all the way to the first uh, few weeks of their, their young lives. But, uh, a lot of people don't know that the rooster will sit on the eggs as well when uh-huh. the hen, hen takes a break occasionally. And, um, there they stick around for the whole process yeah that was fascinating and i could hear him talking and, and the chick responding right. back and forth and um and i don't know if that uh transcends into other upland species i mean i know turkeys gobblers are just looking there right. they do their deed and they're looking for the next 10 and that's that and uh, i don't know about pheasant or grouse or anything i'm not sure i i focus more on quail but yeah, uh, yeah it is quite interesting well that was pretty cool to see tell us what you do as the executive director of the Quill Coalition? Uh, I work directly with all the chapters in the state and uh, help with our, you know, we have trade show booths at Dallas Safari Club uh, Convention and a couple other uh, locations, but uh, help with the membership and the fundraising banquets. I go to all the banquets and, and help uh, help them wherever I can, uh, you know, work on the website, run the membership uh, rosters and uh, all the communications that uh, we send out uh, by email. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and, and just backing up a little bit, 
I know that the organization was founded in 2009. It, it split away from Quail Unlimited. Right. Do you want to talk any about the, the history as far as like why would the two organizations uh, split up? Yeah, we uh, we wanted to keep the money local. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, most of the national organizations you have to send a, a great portion of the money you raise uh, to the headquarters, and and it's one of the things we're proud of is we don't really have a headquarters. Uh, one employee, which is me, yeah. and uh, very little overhead. Uh, we have a post office box is our is our office, and other than my truck, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's all we've got. But uh, you know, all the chapters work really hard to raise money, uh, 100% volunteer committees, and uh, raise uh, quite a bit of money. We're quite proud of that. So mm-hmm. being able to keep it local and spend it the way we want to is very important. And uh, we feel like we've, uh, you know, had much better results funding research and habitat just uh, that stays in Texas. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're seeing the fruits of that with, with a lot of our projects that have come, come from that. Sure. And just to give our listeners an idea about how much money we're we're, raising, I had the pleasure of going to the uh, park cities chapter banquet this year. And I don't remember the dollar amount, but tell us how many people were at the event and how much money was raised. Uh, We had a little over a thousand, probably a thousand fifty. The biggest we've ever had was 1100 and that's about as many as we can fit in the room. Yeah. Um, But this year we, we netted 830,000. Our gross was well over, 1.5 1.5 million, but that'll be 830,000 that goes back uh, primarily into quail research, but we also fund a lot of youth programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're funding a, uh, a grouse machine for the Youth Target Foundation, which was a, a $30,000 item that uh, it'll help keep kids engaged and uh, get them outdoors. But we also fund a, a large variety of research projects across the state. Okay. And what are some of the uh, organizations uh, obviously, Caesar Kleberg. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's Caesar Kleberg uh, Wildlife Institute. There's the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch, uh, UNT Quail. They Wild- didn't have that when I was there. No, no, that's a new one. That's awesome. Uh, Wildlife Habitat Federation down in South Texas, uh, Quail Tech in Lubbock, and mm-hmm. Texas Tech, uh, the Wildlife Toxic- Toxicology Lab at Texas Tech does a lot of our, uh, you know, science, medical research, and uh there's, there's a few others, but those are the main ones that we give a big portion of our money to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so as far as chapters, um, how many chapters are we up to? And we have 12, uh-huh. uh, all over Texas, you know, all the, all the major cities and a few of the smaller ones. And what's, uh, just looking at the calendar, what are some of the upcoming events? We've got, uh, actually inside of two weeks, we've got San Antonio, August 11th, and, uh, we'll have South Texas in, uh, Normally it's in Kingsville. We're moving it to Robstown this year, August 27th. And then August 31st will be the Austin Banquet. Hmm. And then beyond that, uh, October 20th, we've got Fort Worth. Okay. Um, okay, great. And, and where can folks go if they want to check out the... Uh... Uh, you can go to Quail Coalition uh, and click on events. And each chapter will have uh, info for, for their banquet, who to contact. Um, and if that doesn't work, just contact me at... Uh, jjay.stein s-t-i-n-e at quailcoalition.org right on yeah and you know the cool thing is that other than you it's it's volunteer based and uh you know i've been with uh ducks unlimited Mm -hmm. doing similar stuff for for years and years and years and and you meet a lot of good people who have similar interests uh when you get plugged in with a chapter so i highly encourage folks if you're passionate about hunting it doesn't even have to be quail hunting just hunting in general or conservation uh, go to the website, find a chapter in your area, and get plugged in. You'll meet some great people. What would you say is the biggest issue facing bobwhite quail right now? 
Oh, that's a good question. There's so many, uh, and we don't know. Everything eats them. That's right. the yeah, unfortunate they've got, thing. They've got them. a lot of uh, predators and, and enemies, and uh, they live a hard life. They're ground-nesting mm-hmm. birds, so you know they need the habitat. Uh, the weather has to cooperate to have the habitat, but uh, you know there's so many predators. They're they're pretty low on the food chain. Um, you know, weather and habitat are the, the you know the primary reasons. But you know, we feel like there's something else going on because we've had some years with with some good weather that. Uh, didn't see the rebounds in population that you would expect. Um, you know, one popular theory is the eye worm. Uh, the Park City Squell chapter has spent a, a lot of money on that uh, with the Texas Tech uh, Wildlife Toxicology Lab, uh, Dr. Kendall. Hmm. Uh, we've actually developed a medicated feed that we're trying to get approved by the FDA, which will uh, be something that you can put on your ranches to, to uh basically it's a feeding station where the quail come in, mm-hmm. eat the medicated feed, and it would eliminate eye worms and, and other parasites hmm. uh, really excited about that uh, can't guarantee you that's the uh, the silver bullet but you know it, it can't hurt and uh, we've, we've certainly seen very high incidence of eye worms in birds across mainly the rolling plains so yeah, and it's fatal uh, yeah, well it's uh, just imagine a toothpick in your eye and imagine <laughs> and trying to get away yeah. from everything and in, in, yeah. in some cases they've seen 70 or 80 eye worms per eye oh, uh, so you know can't say that that's going to solve everything, but Help. if we can find a way to eliminate eye worms, we feel like that'll make a big difference. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So uh, just kind of to recap, we have the San Antonio banquet coming up on Thursday, August the 11th. Yes. That's the next event on the calendar. Um, and then if you want to plug the website and do y'all have any social media stuff? Uh, we have a Twitter page. Uh-huh. Um, it's not uh uh, quail, quail hunters are typically a little bit older and haven't exactly <laughs> engaged Twitter, but yeah, we, we post some tweets. We have a Facebook page that, uh, you know, we'll put banquet updates and local events. Um, but it's, uh, quail coalition is the Twitter page. And then, uh, quailcoalition.org is our website where you can learn about events and, and where some of the money has gone and, uh, you know, some of our success stories. Awesome. And what kind of dogs do you have? I have a English setter and a, and a lab. Uh-huh. Uh, the setter is my quail dog, obviously, but uh, he's six years old and gets better every year. He got a lot of practice last year, which really helped yeah. a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Jay, we certainly appreciate you dropping by the studio. A big fan of the Quail Coalition, everything that you guys are doing for, for quail and conservation here in the Lone Star State, keeping that money local. Something to be proud of, and I know you guys are. Sure. Thanks for having us, and thanks for spreading the word. You betcha. There he goes, Jay Stein, executive director of the Quail Coalition. Uh, awesome stuff there. Uh, big fan of their organization, uh, doing great things here on the Texas landscape. Uh, that segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the lake this summer and celebrate tight lines and full stringers with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, what do y'all say we take a quick break? Up next, we'll head down to the coast and get into a species that I really don't have any experience with, to be honest with you, but one that has fascinated me for years and years and one that the old-timers still rave about. Captain Mike Holliday from Coast of Sunglasses has been after tarpon for three decades now. So it's all things tarpon coming at you next, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And if I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean if I had a pony, I'd ride him on my boat, and we could all go.
Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single-axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? To check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A retrievers.com. If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas-Lewisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. A young boy, two hands on the wheel I can't replace the way it made me feel And I would turn her sharp I'd make it wide He'd say, you can't beat the way an old boat rides Just a little lake across the Alabama line But I was king of the ocean Cable Smith welcoming everybody Daddy back to DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris getting a little help there from the great Alan Jackson. Drive is the name of that classic. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your weekend with me. I do appreciate you, each and every one of you, uh, by the way. And we are all set to head down to the coast. Uh, actually, though, we're going to head a little bit farther east <laughs> than normal because uh, we're going to talk tarpon this morning with an old friend of the program. But before we do that, this segment is brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. They've got a myriad of different frames, lenses, and styles where you can customize your own sunglasses and really let your personality shine through uh, in your shades. Not only that, but if you're a serious angler, you need to check out the 580p lens technology. It's like you know driving a truck with a foggy windshield versus having just come out of the car wash and it's crystal clean. Uh, you're going to see things below the surface that you never imagined were there. So check it out. You can find it all right there at CostaDelmar.com. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk some tarpon with our next guest. Uh, he's a longtime friend of ours, and he's the life of the party. Uh, no matter where you run into him, it is my pleasure to welcome Captain Mike Holliday back to the program. Dude, it's good to be here. It's kind of nice to get out to Texas. I don't get out there you know, nearly <laughs> enough. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, so, first of all, how was ICAST? Uh, crazy busy. You know, it was a great show, I think, for everybody. Uh, for Costa Sunglasses, I, I spent the entire show in the booth 
Um, and I and I basically have marketing meetings every 30 minutes every day. So I, I never even really saw the show, but uh, judging by the crowds and judging by the excitement there, uh, it was a good show for everybody. Sounds like the industry is on the upswing. A lot more people fishing, a lot more people, you know, getting out on the water at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, the economy's better. People are buying boats, you know, and it kind of just uh, trickle down effect from there. It, even when the economy's bad, I think people just like to go fishing. You know, it, it, if you're, it, it, even if you're not working, it's something you can do. Oh yeah. You know, you still you you still want to do that just for your sanity. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. I uh I sneak onto the local golf course a couple times a week here, and uh you know if you go right at sundown they don't run you off as often. But yeah, see, and I and I and I do the Home Depot by us in, in Florida. <laughs> every Home Depot has a, a drainage pond that takes the drainage takes all the water that runs off their uh, parking lot. Uh huh. And you go to anyone in Florida and, and go over there with, you know, a, either a spinnerbait or a, a June bug colored worm and you can catch all the bass you want. Nice. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, well, it sounds okay. So ICAST was, was great. Uh, you guys are known for throwing some, uh, some, some cool parties. The Costa family like to have a good time. And uh, I'm sure that was fun as well. As far as the fishing, uh, how's the bite been? I know you, you know, you chase snook, tarpon, all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk tarpon today, but, uh, what have you been targeting here lately? It's, you know, it's funny cause we're having some issues with water mm-hmm. in the area that I live in. I live, I live in Stewart on the Southeast coast and, uh, we're getting a lot of runoff from Lake Okeechobee, like record runoff. Hmm. And, uh, despite that, our tarpon and our snook fishing this summer have, have been very, very consistent. Um, surprisingly so, but, but. You know, part of that is a freshwater is less dense than saltwater, so it's floating on top when it flows out. So, you know, the, the saltwater is underneath, and the, and the fish are still there. And as long as there's food, they'll be hanging out. Hmm. And it's prime time for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I would, you know, I was telling you uh, off the air. I've run into a couple captains who are real secretive about tarpon. I know that that's not a big deal for you. Uh, there's plenty to go around. Uh, but since I, I don't know much about tarpon fishing, you know, I've watched lots of videos and, and have uh, gone on a couple trips. I still haven't caught one. Uh, but, you know, from what I've heard from the old timers, they say it used to be better 20, 30, 40 years ago. I'm not sure. What What is your take on the vitality of the, the Gulf's tarpon school? I, I don't doubt that in any way. Um, I think the numbers are, are down and going down. Um, and you see some tournaments like the the ones that they have in Boca Grande where um, these guys are catching fish and towing them to the beach and weighing them and then taking pictures, you know, holding them up, posing with pictures and then trying to revive them. Uh, you know, those fish either die, uh, upon release or they get, they get preyed upon by the sharks. And I think that's an issue. Uh-huh. I, th- I think numbers are down and, and in some areas, a shark predation on them is just so high that almost every fish you catch is eaten at some point, whether it's before or after the release. So, you know, I, I've been doing it for 30 years, and I've seen good numbers uh, of fish. Um, I think juvenile recruitment is pretty strong, but I, I definitely see less fish than I used to see. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's fishing pressure or mortality. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they used to say that, like, Port Aransas was the uh, tarpon capital of the world back 50, 60 years ago. I'd say uh, the, the the Florida coast probably has a lot stronger tarpon fishery than we do here in texas now well you know it's it's interesting our fish are migratory and they come out of the keys so and on both coasts 
you know, in on the Gulf Coast in May, they all pour out of the Keys and start coming up. And then on the East Coast where I live in June is when they start pouring up. And they, they migrate their way up the coast, and some of them will trickle into the rivers and in the lagoons. And some will stay around the inlet. Some will stay on the beach all summer. And some will work their way all the way up to, you know, North and South Carolina. Hmm. So, um, you know, there, there's a definite migration that takes place. And as they go by, you get a, you get a feel for the volume of fish that you see. Um, like typically on a June day when, when uh, the fish are migrating, uh, you know, like 20 years ago, I'd probably see eight or ten schools in a day I would fish. And now I'm fishing more like three schools a day. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, the volume of fish and the size of the schools are, are way down. Okay. But, but I mean, that, that being said, we still have pretty good tarpon fishing. Yeah. And so the best months are from essentially, you know, June through when? November. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll get, we'll, what'll happen is the, the fish will migrate out of the Keys in June and uh, there'll be resident fish in July and August. And then September, we get the fall mullet run. And the mullet basically migrates south um, all the way from Jacksonville, all the way down through Florida, down into the Keys. And the tarpon just follow the food uh, as they go back down south. And, and at the same time, the water temperature or the change in seasons is what drives the fish down. Hmm. So, it, you know, by the time we get to November, our water temperatures have dropped significantly and the fish are all, you know, moving out of the area. And But, I mean, that being said, we still have resident fish all year. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. As far as looking for tarpon, what areas or what type of water are you targeting when, when looking for these schools? Well, it, what you'll get is in June, it'll be more schools, more migrating fish. And then as you get the resident fish, they're, they're more like arbitrary, arbitrarily rolling fish, little pods of fish that, that hang out in one area. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're more difficult to target because you don't know, you don't have this definitive school coming at you that you can get in front of. you got a fish here and a fish there and you know, you basically need to move a lot and present your bait in front of those fish. So um, every inlet we have pretty much has fish on it, um, either on the incoming or the outgoing tide, because they're just channels for the food to flow out into the ocean. And in the summertime, we get a lot of crab runs. So there's a lot of crabs going out. There's a lot of juvenile bait fish going out. Um, so the tarpon are almost every day on the inlets. Um, and then there's areas inshore, it uh, tends to be bends in the river that have deep water. They seem to really like having, uh, you know, 12 to 15 feet of water that they can middle of the day get down into those cooler depths and rest in there and sit, sit in there comfortably, and then they come up on the shallow edges of that to feed at, uh, you know, dawn and dusk and after dark. Okay. And now, as far as tarpon goes, do you prefer live bait or artificial on that front. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, dude. I I mean, I I fish them with fly, I fish them with artificials, and I fish them with live bait, and I fish them with dead bait. Uh, if you if you you know look at all the the old school guys and read about any of the history of tarpon fishing, everybody fished a dead mullet on the bottom or a chunk of fish on the bottom. Um, so tarpon are basically scavengers, mm-hmm. and they you know they'll eat just about anything. And they'll more than happily pick a mullet or a mullet head uh, or a piece of bonita off the bottom, no problem. Um, but that being said, they're also um, one of the fish that are really receptive to flies. 
because when you work a fly, you can pause it and it can sit in that strike zone for a long time, right in front of the fish's face. So, I mean, that's why so many people fly fish in this, because they are one of the fish that are really receptive to eating flies. Uh-huh. Um, and then lures, I mean, that being said, lures are fantastic, particularly when you have these arbitrarily rolling fish, just fish that one rolls here, one rolls there, where you can take a small, uh, like, paddle tail jig, like a, you know, four-inch um, paddle tail with a quarter-ounce jig head, and a fish rolls, they typically roll, and they go down about about four feet and just sit there. So you see a fish roll, you throw one of those jigs right where it rolled, you let it sink to the count of three, and then you just reel it very, very slowly. And, uh, and a lot of times it goes right by the fish and they eat it. And, and what's unique about that is that the bite is very soft, almost just a little tick. And, you know, you get this little tick and you set the hook and an 80-pound fish goes in the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I didn't really answer what I like best. You know, I can't give you kind of the gamut of, of the different yeah. styles. All all that being said, I mean, I just love a mullet on the surface and watching a tarpon just explode on it. Right. That, right. that, that to me is just as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Well, and like I said, I've, I'm still trying to catch my first one. Uh, have a trip in August, uh, a shark fishing trip, but a pretty good chance we'll catch some tarpon uh, on that deal. Um, but, you know, the fight is surreal the the aerial display of a tarpon is like few other things i mean just from watching on youtube or you know fishing shows on outdoor channel Mm -hmm. whatever uh that's the thrill that i'm looking for (laughs) and you know there's there's this part of the of a tarpon fight Uh, i'll tell you this um the first 15 seconds you know when, when the fish eats whether it's a fly or a lure or bait and you sting it and, you know, you come tight and you bend the rod and flex it and everything comes at you for about a half a second. And then that fish reacts and goes the other way. And for the next 15 seconds, all you're trying to do is retain possession of your rod. Wow. And it, it doesn't matter if it's fly, it's fly rod, same deal. The yeah. fly line's coming off the deck and you're trying just to hold on to the rod. Anything, it, you know, with a lure or, or a, you know, a bait caster, all they're trying to do is hold on to the rod. That fish is going berserko and it's leaving town and then you're going to just try and chase after it you know and and you know uh each fish is different some are just meaner than others and you get that fish that just is mean where you get an hour into it and and you know you're not gaining it's 50 yards from the boat you just can't get anything on it It, it's not so much fun anymore you know I, i like the beginning part where you hook them and they jump and you know, everything is going crazy, but after that, it gets to be a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, well, and let me ask you this. Have you had any of your anglers, uh, had, had a rod just ripped out of their hands? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, dude, I've seen it all. I've seen people go overboard. I've had them go inside of, inside of bridges and guys jump over and swim underneath the bridge. You, you basically see everything <laughs> and, and, you know, all the way up to getting them to the boat and having sharks come up and eat them uh-huh. and the sharks always come out of nowhere it's not like um you see it coming yeah they typically come from underneath your boat and usually when you know when the fish is done it's never when you first took them yeah yeah i've seen a lot of uh, actually had people sending us pictures on instagram of uh you know reeling in a 100 pound tarpon that's all that's left is just uh, its head essentially 
it's sad and, it, and, and it's a horrible feeling because you were just, you know, playing with the fish and we're going to let it go. And, you know, you kind of feel like you directly led to the demise of that fish, which wasn't your plan. Mm-hmm. So it, it does leave an empty pit in your stomach. Yeah. I, I, I would say I lose maybe one a year to sharks. This year I haven't lost any, but um, typically most years I lose about one yeah. compared to the West Coast where they have a lot of sharks. And, you know, there's there's times when they lose three or four a day. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if it gets to that point, I'm not fishing them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, Obviously, tarpon can get pretty big. Uh, going over 200 pounds is, is not, un, you know, uncommon. Uh, measuring seven to eight feet. What is what is your biggest tarpon that's come over the rail of your boat? Biggest is, uh, boy, it's tough to call. I mean, I've caught a lot of big ones. My When my wife and I were dating, um, she caught one that I'd say was about 180. Wow. Um, took her about... Oh God, two and a half hours to reel that fish in. <laughs> and, uh, we got it. When we got it to the boat, we were, we were right next to a shoreline. So I got her out and, and she had on those little orange gloves and she was in her little black bikini and I shot a bunch of pictures and, uh, it was just beautiful stuff. And then we revived the fish and let it go. And, um, when I went to have the film developed, that's back when we, when we shot film, not, not digital. Yeah. And, uh, I went to have the film developed. Somebody went into the into the room during the developing and exposed all the pictures. We had no pictures of it. Oh, so what a bummer. Yeah, but it but it was a beautiful fish. It was a big one. It, it, it if it's not the biggest one, it's certainly one of the biggest ones I've ever had up at the boat. And I I don't pull them out of the water. I I typically leave them in the water. I want them to have the best chance of survival, uh, you know, as possible. So I'll grab them and uh, you know control them and then unhook them. And then try, if we're going to shoot photos, try and hold them right there in the water and shoot the photos while they're right there in the water at the side of the boat. Mm-hmm. And then revive them and let them go. That's your best chance. You know, the sharks prey on them when they're weak. Sure. So the, the best chance you can do to, to revive them and let them go healthy, that, you know, really, really determines their chance of survival. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I know, yeah, you're 100% catch and release. Uh, and not just on tarpon. I, I think you pretty much do the same thing with snook on your boat, too. And trout. And trout, right on. Well, uh, well, shifting gears here just real quickly, what is new from Costa right now? Uh, well, we've got a bunch of new frames that are out. Um, we have uh, 10 new styles this year. Uh, eight new styles, I'm sorry. And 13 new colors. A, a lot of new female fashion styles, which are pretty cool. Um, some of the new colors are very unique, more fashion. Um, and then going into next year, we're going to have uh, a new ophthalmolic line where, um, you know, typically when you go to get prescription sunglasses or prescription glasses, you buy the frames mm-hmm. and then order your lenses. And we'll have just Costa frames um, for prescription glasses. So we'll have those next year coming out. They'll probably be out this fall. And we'll also have a um, sunrise uh, silver mirror sun. Uh, sunglass lens coming out as well i don't know if we'll see it this fall or if we'll see it early into next year but that'll be a big one it's it's uh amazing low light and overcast days and you know as well as shooting sports type of lens it's just fantastic i've been wearing it a lot lately awesome right on right on and folks can find that at costa the full gambit of 
I mean, I don't know how many possibilities there are when you talk about mixing and matching frames, uh, styles, and lenses, but it seems like it's endless. Uh, I think it's 1,800. 800, around. Oh, wow. <laughs> 1,800 combinations. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, if you want to give us your personal website, if folks wanted to uh, look at that, look you up and possibly go fishing with you. Yeah, sure. It's uh, CaptainMikeHoliday.com. And I'm, and I'm out of Stewart, which is uh, southeast Florida, just above West Palm Beach. Um, really known as sort of the snook capital of the world. We have a lot of tarpon. We have a lot of permit. We have the giant sea trout. And uh, I fish a lot of Texas boys. Right on. Right on. Well, let's do, uh, let's do a quick giveaway here. You were nice enough to hook us up with uh, some promo cards for uh, you know, basically one of our listeners is going to get to customize their own pair of coasters any way that they want them. Well, so if you were paying attention earlier, um, Mike mentioned his wife actually caught the biggest tarpon to ever come over the rail of his boat. If you remember what that tarpon weighed, text in the answer to 214-289-7807. It's 214-289-7807, and uh, you can win your own pair of Costa sunglasses, customized any way you want. Uh, Captain Mike, we always appreciate it, and we look forward to our next visit. Campbell, good talking to you, dude. We need to go out and have a brisket sandwich one of these days. <laughs> right on. I'm still going to take you up on a snook trip here, too, as soon as I can get out there to Florida. Anytime you want, man. Bring the whole family. Will do. Take care. Talk to you, man. All right. There he goes, our good buddy, Captain Mike Holliday. Uh, he's been our in with Costa Sunglasses over the past five or six years. So all you folks out there who have already won a pair of Costas on our show, and if I'm doing my math right, what is uh, – Let's just say 5 times 12 because that's how many pairs we've given away. What is that, 60? So 60 of you have uh, gotten a pair of Costas. Well, you can thank Captain Mike for that. Uh, awesome guy, and uh, we certainly enjoy talking tarp and fishing with him. That segment of the show brought to you by my absolute favorite Texas destination. I'm talking about Port Aransas on the Texas coast. Not only does Port A have miles and miles of surf, with awesome beaches and the deep blue waters of the Gulf of Mexico. When you bring home your catch at the end of the day, whether it's trout, redfish, flounder, grouper, snapper, you name it, the local restaurants will cook it up for you right there on the beach at sundown. So come fish and play Texas Island style and visit portaranzas.org for more info. All right, we need to take a quick break, but you duck hunters especially don't go anywhere because up next we're talking waterfowl production and what that means for the upcoming 2016-2017 waterfowl season, we check in with Ducks Unlimited conservation outreach biologist Kirby Brown up next on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And the moon is so bright It don't look like night And the diamond house sparkles And the lights of Loving County Cable Smith here for Lone Star Ag Credit. We all know land is a limited commodity. Let's face it, they're not making any more of it, but everybody wants it. Whether that's to build a house, hunt deer, or run cattle, allow Lone Star Ag Credit to help make that land your land. They've been doing it since 1917. For more information, visit LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas today. We all love fishing, but private water fishing makes the experience even more enjoyable. Private means private, and when you reserve one of over 50 private lakes, that means you're the only one on the water. 
Lakes are stocked and professionally managed to grow big bass, and most have boats on site at no charge. You'll catch bigger numbers and bigger fish than on public water. Silence, solitude, and no crowds. It's a great way to introduce kids and grandkids into the outdoors. Visit privatewaterfishing.com to become a member today. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Run a river, catch a small owl, shoot a mallard as he flies south. Run my dog till I get that trophy for Southern Outdoors. Southern Outdoors. One of my favorites from Matt Prater bringing us back on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you on a lovely morning. I hope you all have big plans to get into the great outdoors this weekend. Uh, but for now, I'm certainly glad you're here with me as we are all set to take a look at waterfowl production and what that means going into the 2016 season this fall. Uh, but first, this segment of the show is brought to you by Pulsar, where they continue to set the gold standard in night vision and thermal imaging technology. So if you've got problem feral hogs or if you're overrun with depredating coyotes on your ranch or deer lease, then go to PulsarNV.com to see their full lineup of night vision optics. And if you tell them that I sent you, you'll save 20% off your entire order. That's PulsarNV.com. Um, okay, well, let's go ahead and jump into things here with Kirby Brown, our longtime friend and DU's conservation outreach biologist for the state of Texas. Kirby, thanks for being here, brother. Always great to have you on. Thank you so much, Cable. Glad to be here. First of all, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to as far as your summer responsibilities with Ducks Unlimited as a uh, conservation outreach biologist. Uh, I've, uh, been around a lot of Texas and, and been looking at the water issues primarily and where the water is and, and Lord, do we have water in Texas? Yeah. Uh, we're in pretty good shape, uh, as of, oh, about mid June in terms of, uh, uh, water on the coast. In fact, in fact, if you look in a lot of wetlands and a lot of places down in the coastal areas and in East Texas, we still have too much water. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to have to see those come down, uh, settle out, uh, see see some of those uh, good uh, pond weeds that we want and, and, and seeds and everything else growing in, in those areas so that we get a little drying action before we get into the duck season. And I was going to ask you, I forgot to mention this uh, to you off the air, but since we're talking about all the great habitat conditions along the coast, how does that translate for our model duck population? You know, this is a species that uh, doesn't migrate. It stays on the coast year-round. And uh, uh, over, you know, over the years, though, it's kind of been much maligned as far as habitat loss and a lot of concern over its, uh, its, its numbers. Well, and, and that's true. Uh, we, we've lost a lot of habitat, and, and you have to have uh, model ducks, really, for, for their nesting habitat. It's critical to have uh, good grasslands associated with wetlands. And so uh, uh, the researchers are now looking at that, and they've come up with a uh, model, duck, model duck decision tool that, that really looks on that uh, process of making sure we're we're protecting those areas where we've got the good grasslands adjacent to good wetlands and highlighting those areas by using uh, uh, some, some satellite imagery and aerial photography and then, and then going out and working with uh, landowners on, on a voluntary basis to, to kind of keep those places in good shape for us. You know, we've seen almost all of the puddle ducks declining on the coast uh, the last 10 years uh, Whereas we've seen those same puddle ducks increasing up in the uh, uh, prairies uh, uh, through central Texas. And, and as you go into the uh, cross timbers and, and rolling plains, those numbers have all increased. So uh, the Playa Lakes region up in the Panhandle, we see that depending on rainfall coming back and forth. But the, the growth in stock ponds and other ponds and reservoirs has especially with the drought has moved ducks up into those areas where they're on those ponds now and the model ducks don't move there so so that's one of the things we see on those coastal ducks right now and we're following the surveys and we'll see how that goes as we start getting rain back on the coast and hopefully rice and other food production back in place Hmm. okay okay um well yeah and i I do believe that rice production uh just from an interview we did with um an alligator and, and teal outfitter last week uh, he said rice production is actually up for the first time in a long time along the coast well that's right and and that's the good news we we just got the reports from usda the uh uh national survey about planted crops and looks like we're going to be up probably somewhere around 45 to 50,000 acres of, of of more of of harvestable rice there on the coast and and that's going to be a huge boon uh, for waterfowl. You, you asked about the model ducks. We've seen the pintails come to the coast in, in the last few years under this drought and actually leave in worse shape than when they got here from a body condition mm. standpoint. So, so, so we need to have more food in that area, and this is really going to jumpstart that and push that up. It, it, it's like adding uh, 25% more rice in the area. And when you, when you lose for every 10,000 acres of rice we lose on the Gulf Coast, and we lost about 60,000 acres So mm-hmm. over the last four years with water cutoffs in the Brazos River Basin and in the Colorado River Basin going down to that those coastal rice fields. So yeah. everything was terminated. They just couldn't grow anything. So 
we lost about 60,000 acres. And for every 10,000 acres you lose, you lose the ability to feed 120,000 ducks and geese over that year, over that wintering span. So it, it's really tough. Wow, and, <laughs> and yeah, you start the multiplication. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, good. So good deal on that front as far as increased rice production. Um, as far as the pond count numbers, I know that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service hasn't released that yet, but you have a pretty good idea of what's going on and, and how you think it's going to play out. Well, I, I was able to be up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in, into May and, and had a chance to talk to some of the guys at uh, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department who like Kevin Cry and Dave Morrison, who, who are talking to the folks in Canada on a pretty regular basis this time of year. And and, and we're looking at drier ponds. Uh, we're, we're looking at drier conditions up there. So we should see uh, 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 a reduction in the pond count. Not sure how much. I mean, even the ponds that I was seeing while I was up there, even though they were lower, there was still water there. There were pairs all over m- almost every pond that we saw. So you know, good to see that. Uh, good to see them doing that. But it's as they as they go north, if if they already see those pairs, they already see the territory set up. They'll just keep going farther north till they get into somewhere where it's better nesting conditions for those birds. And we do have uh, better water on the eastern half of Canada, but a uh, little drier in in the prairie pothole regions of. of of Canada, at least the the western prairie pothole regions, and, and drier, a little drier in the boreal forest where those birds will go into and nest. But, but I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. We we may not have a record year, and, and remember, we've had three out of the four last years. We've had record duck numbers. Yeah, and uh, it's just just amazing, you know, to see that kind of uh, uh, production that's going on. And if we're off a little bit. Uh, in Texas, we're not going to notice it. It's still going to be lots of ducks coming down because there is water there. Uh, so so I, I think we'll be in good shape because of the number of birds we sent back last year's production and then, and then with the water that they will have. I, I think I think we'll be in pretty good shape. I think, I think the numbers will be down, but, you know, we've been in the best of times now. Uh, we go back the early 1950s when when surveys started in canada and and then into the united states uh, later in the 50s and and uh when they started those pond surveys and waterfowl uh counts we just haven't had populations that that have been this high for this length of time at any time in the history of those counts so we're in the best of times and i encourage everybody to get out and hunt this year it's going to be a great time awesome well yeah i mean you just can't uh, it's not sustainable setting records year after year after year. So can't, you can't do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was bound to uh, go back down a little bit, uh, but like you said, probably won't notice it in Texas even if it does go down. Uh, but That's I will right. say this: we just need some stinking cold weather this year. You know, um, I think more and more birds are getting hung up in Kansas and Nebraska, and, and I'm specifically specifically talking about mallards. You know, um, if it wasn't for the gadwall the last couple of years. There's been a lot of Texas uh, outfitters and and just hunters who probably would have had some pretty miserable days in the duck blind as far as birds on the strap is concerned. Well, that's right. I mean, the gadwalls and the uh, widgeon have been in Texas in great numbers, uh, and that's been great. But but we do we need one of those polar vortexes or, or <laughs> yeah. you know an, an extended norther that comes in here and really really pushes those birds south and and uh, allows us to hold some birds, but. 
you know, we're, we've just seen such mild conditions in the Midwest that those and and you have such such large areas of open water with the reservoirs up there that those birds just aren't aren't coming down like they uh, uh, used to because mm-hmm. because of those conditions. And well, why it, would they it, leave if there's tons of food around? You know, so they've got they've got tons of food. You look in Arkansas, they they plant over a million acres of rice, and in Texas, we're down to about 180,000 acres of rice. So, you know things have just flip-flopped in terms of, of what's going on with rice, with corn. Uh, uh, the corn uh, is, is, is in great shape up there. They'll have a lot of corn this year. So, you know, it, it's just a, a tough situation in terms of, of those ducks. When they come down into Texas, if they're having a hard time finding something, they're going right back up where they left until they get chased down here by that cold weather. So you're exactly right. It, it was a big point that I had, uh, and, and you just beat me to it. So I'm glad you made it. Well, let me ask you about one other species that's kind of uh, concern, and everyone's aware that we have a snow goose conservation season. You can use electronic collars. You can take the plugs out of your gun, and you know, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service encourages hunters to shoot as many of them as they can. But still... And I think this goes back to our last visit. Um, we're not making a dent in this population. These, the problem is that these birds are eating themselves out of house and home up there on the tundra. Have you heard any other ideas or thoughts as far as what is going to be done about the snow geese? You know, that, that's a, a good question. We've seen uh, continued issues on, on the snow geese up, up in Canada and uh, uh the the populations continue to to age with with lower reproduction uh, uh, typically coming in and and so when you when you get out to hunt geese what you find is you had a lot of birds that can live up to 20 years old that are leading those flocks and uh, uh, they've seen it all before mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you have fewer young geese to shoot at so so consequently it's it's a uh, it, it's been tough for hunting and then. In Texas, uh, again, we're seeing the same thing that you see with the other birds. They're uh, uh, they're able they're th- even more than ducks. They're able to withstand some of that uh, harsher winter weather and stay where they are. And so they're they're staying up in the Midwest and a lot of places, uh, Arkansas and that Mississippi alluvial valley, or uh, uh, north of places uh, in in Kansas and uh, uh, you know. So so as we see that in in the Areas of, of uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of Texas, you know, we see a declining goose population, and it, and it's declining pretty seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there's a lot of guides on the Texas coast that they'll t- tell people come and hunt ducks. Uh, we'll have the ducks uh, regardless, but if you want to come hunt geese, you know, we're not going to guarantee you a good hunt. It's it's just real tough out there. Yeah, right they now. can't. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff on that front. Um, last thing, let's wrap it up here with early teal. Uh, the Blue Wingers, I think last year we had 7.4 million or something off the top of my head. I can't remember, but uh, their numbers are very healthy, which is amazing because sure. I was actually reading a, a DU report that their mortality rate can be as high as 65%. Um, these ducks, they get hunted pretty hard, and then also they fly so far that, you know, that takes its toll on the population as well. I mean, half of them winter down in South America. That's right. 
they go a long ways and then they go back north a long ways because they're one of the later ducks to get up there for nesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, blue wing populations have been terrific. They, and, and we should expect, again, an outstanding season in terms of, of, of where we are with uh, uh, blue wing teal. And when you look at that, uh, uh, the, the blue wings that came down last year, just, just like what you see, those birds that, that are staying up in the Midwest, we had blue wings staying on the Texas coast. And in fact, a lot of guides told me it really saved their season because normally blue wings are gone by, by before Thanksgiving, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so you just don't see them much uh, through the rest of the year until they start coming back in February, March, that time period. And, uh, uh, but we should see great numbers again. I, I, we have been well above the long-term average on blue wing teal and uh, uh, green wing teal, uh, we're talking amazing populations of green wings coming in with the flight. So teal have been one of those success stories up there. So uh, uh, we should see a great teal season. And uh, I, w- I would tell you, if we run this summer into drought, because, because we are expecting things to dry off. You know, the El Nino is left. Mm-hmm. The impacts in May where we had, what, 35 trillion gallons of water fall in Texas, uh, uh, just like last May, we had a, we had enough water fall in Texas to cover Texas eight inches, eight inches, you know, deep mm-hmm. across the entire state. So the two Mays have been pretty spectacular. But we do expect to go into La Nina because almost every El Nino turns into a La Nina. And when we do that, that's going to bring on drought. So any place that's going to have water in that time period is probably going to be a great place to be, shallow water. Uh, if they if they can land with their feet in the mud that and a little water just above their uh, to the tops of their legs, that's what they love. So, you know, they'll be out in force. I think it's going to be a great teal season. Excellent, excellent. Well, what uh, what hunts do you have on the books that you're looking forward to this fall? Oh gosh, uh, uh, you know, definitely teal hunting. Uh, just just one of my favorite birds to eat and uh, and to hunt, and they're. Are, they're so frustrating sometimes because they come at you from every direction. They, <laughs> they don't, they don't tend to just come into the decoys, you know, like you want. So, yeah. you know, they, they don't pay attention it, to the wind. Like they, they do not. Uh, yeah. I think they like going with the wind, you know, they're so. crazy. Yeah. Uh, it makes for time. some sporty shooting though. So you bet. Yeah. Well, Hey, well, it, Kirby, and we look, oh, look go like ahead. With duff, we, we look like with the dove season, both morning dove and white wing dove and all the range we've got, my goodness, we're going to have great seasons. So uh, at quail, I was hearing quail all along the coast, hearing quail in South Texas on another trip. So uh, it, we should expect good quail populations over in the in the uh, northwestern part of the state, there in the rolling plains and down in South Texas and along the coast. Excellent. Well, that's what we love to hear. We certainly appreciate it, Kirby. Well, good luck with things, Cable. Glad to talk to you. And if anybody has any questions, they can always get a hold of me. All right. Well, take care. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, sir. Bye now. So there you have it. Uh, Waterfowl conditions, waterfowl production, all you need to know for the upcoming fall flight. Uh, Thanks to Kirby Brown. Always great checking in with him and our friends over at Ducks Unlimited. That segment brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-Style Barbecue and STI Guns. Located in Georgetown, Texas, STI has an extensive lineup of 1911 and 2011-style pistols and every caliber imaginable when it comes to handguns. So for your next handgun, go Texan, go STI. Let's take a break. Up next, I've got a special segment for any of the aspiring 
outfitters out there who are sick and tired of their nine to five job. Uh, so you want to be an outfitter is what we're calling this next piece. And our good friend Brett Jepson of Three Curl drops by. Uh, yeah, he used to have a nine to five. Not anymore. He's living the dream. He'll tell us how he's been able to make his dream a reality. Plus, we'll talk some uh, dove hunting as well. The season's coming up September 1st, right around the corner. All that next on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hey, y'all, Cable here reminding you to check out the Wyo Ranch headquarters for your next trophy hunt. I went down there this summer, shot an awesome Axis buck. They've got great food, great lodging, truly is a five-star hunting destination, and you can find it all right there at wyoranchheadquarters.com. Hey, y'all, it's Jeff Foxworthy, and thanks for listening to my buddy Cable Smith on the Lone Star Outdoors. Thanks. thanks a lot. I got a broken heart. That's all I've got You made me cry And I cried a lot Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show Brought to you by Lone Star Beer And Hoff, Power Polaris Thank you so much for tuning in today It is so great to be here talking all things outdoors with you And that will continue momentarily As we've got a special segment lined up for you uh, For any aspiring outfitter out there whether you want to do it full-time or part-time, uh, some interesting stuff coming up here momentarily with our friend Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters. But first, this segment of the show is brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been handling all my trophy mounts for, well, too long to remember now. Uh, my studio is like a shrine to their work just looking around here. Uh, but whether it's a whitetail, an exotic, a black bear, or a trout, uh, Josh and Becky are the people I trust. They answer the phone when I call, they give me a realistic turnaround time, and they do impeccable work. Located just outside of New Braunfels in Marion, Texas, check them out at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. Uh, okay, well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. We've been hunting ducks and dove with him for a number of years now, and uh, even before he was guiding professionally, we used to go out and stack up the mallards uh, just for fun it's my pleasure to welcome brett jepson back to the show hey thanks cable it's good to be here i've been uh keeping up with your facebook and social media posts looks like you've been pretty busy planting millet and uh, lowering water levels on 
ducks lose and all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. It's a busy time of year. Uh, duck season's all, all year for us. So right now we're really working hard on getting some good habitat. Had a lot of rain this past year, so we're letting a lot of water out to where we can get some, some vegetation growing back in, and we look forward to some more rain this winter. Yeah, well, and we actually had Kirby Brown on. He's the the uh, regional uh, biologist for Ducks Unlimited for mm-hmm. uh, Texas, anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about duck numbers and uh, conditions and stuff. It should be a great season. He said numbers were actually down a little bit. But when you're talking about the last two years being record hatches, you know, down a little bit, it's just a drop in the bucket. Absolutely, absolutely. And I... Um, I agree with that. From what I've read, I think it's going to be a great year. We're, we're still up overall as, as far as the uh, the the long-term averages, so yeah. that's going to be really good. We may not have as many juvenile birds this year from the sound of it, but um, I guess that just means we got to call and, and do a little bit better when we're out hunting. No doubt. Well, you know, before duck season, though, uh, we'll all be out there chasing those morning and white wingers, and I know you're excited about all the agricultural fields that 3Curl has been able to acquire over the past couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very excited. We're going to have a lot of good fields this year. Uh, farming conditions weren't the greatest, which uh, a lot of times will mean that our conditions will be the greatest. Uh, in that sense, I'm talking about how they harvest the fields and leave the fields for us during dove season. We have a lot of uh, record rains this past spring, so they weren't able to get their crops to full production. So a lot of times they're not even going in and harvesting. We're just going to have uh, we're just going to have fields that have been cut and be perfect for dove. Mm-hmm. So we're really we're really looking forward to that, um, and then the overall weather conditions over the past month have have just been great uh, for for our local population. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, and you have a you know really uh, hands-on relationship with your landowners, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about this. But I know when conditions aren't ideal, a lot of times they don't even cut the crop, and you know they just claim it on insurance, which makes it even better for us. Absolutely, and we've got a lot of that happening this year. Uh, first of all, uh, there's not a lot of milo or sunflowers planted this year, especially in our area, but in all of North Texas for the most part. So there's going to be a lot of corn fields this year, a lot of wheat, and a lot of the corn didn't make it due to the weather, so they're not even harvesting these fields. They're just going to be going in and shredding them for insurance purposes, maybe bowing hay or making salvage, that kind of stuff. Um, and so it just leaves cracked corn all over the ground, and with the... Uh, Fewer milo and fewer sunflower fields. That's what we predict a lot of our dove being taken this year will be in those corn fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I spoke with our uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife dove program leader uh, recently, and you know he said he believes it's going to be a great year. The only concern was those hailstorms we had. You know, doves make very flimsy nests, so um, he said that was a little bit of a concern. But on the other hand, they will re-nest if it's early enough on you know in the springtime. Sure, and if you'll remember, um, not this past spring, but the one before, we had not only a lot of large health storms, but a lot of tornado-type activity, and last year our dove season wasn't the greatest, and a lot of the biologists believe it was due to that, just because mm-hmm. these dove nests, you can go by and blow them out pretty much. Yeah. So uh, you get those storms going, and, and it, it ruins a lot of the, the nesting and the, and, the, and the population for the year, but we did have some of those storms earlier in the year, but for the most part, um, the, the storms that we've had over the past few months have been spotty and haven't been too severe. So I think it might be a little bit of an issue, but hopefully it won't be a, near as big of an issue as it was last year. And I can tell you just being out in the field every day uh, and, and seeing these fields on a daily basis, 
we've already got a lot more dove around than we had last year at this time. Awesome. So things are definitely looking up. Yeah. Well, and you have leases all over Ellis County to Rockwall, Collin County, uh, even out towards Abilene. Um, so you've got a, I mean, you've got options for everyone, and and, and you have um, day and season leases available, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So season leases, we've got them in all the places you mentioned, uh, north of Dallas, just south of Dallas, as close as 10 to 15 minutes from downtown there. Um, Rockwall area, down uh, south by Waco, and then even over west towards Abilene. We also offer day hunts for the open and week of the season right there at Vena, and we'll be doing our big traditional opening day barbecue and uh, dove hunt for the first week of the season. Okay. Yeah, I was out there last year. We had a great time, uh, you know, Got the dog on some birds. Looking forward to doing it again uh, September 1st. Uh, let's shift gears here, though. You know, you've been outfitting for what? Uh, oh, gosh. I know you've been doing ducks the longest. Um, but, you, you you know, just like everyone else, you had a regular 9-to-5 job. Uh, but you said, hey, I, you know, I, I'm not happy doing this. I want to be a full-time outfitter. Um, and I know there's no shortcuts uh, as far as, as that's concerned. So talk about some of the, the tips, if one of our listeners out there today is interested in getting into outfitting. Uh, what advice would you give them? Um, I would just let them know that when you're going in, it's not going to be easy. It, 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 like you said, it's a lot of hours away from home. Uh, when you're starting out, it's definitely not going to be a full-time income for you. Uh, you have to build up. And so a lot of times you're working that day job, you're 40 hours a week, and then every other hour of sunlight you have left, you're devoting towards building blinds, scouting, planting food. And, you know, I did that for years. And, um, Hopefully, eventually, you get to the point to where you can make a good decision for you and your family to where it's time to go full-time and take that leap. Um, and once you do, it's you know it's living the dream. It's a lot of fun. But I will tell you that I work more now as far as hours on a weekly basis than I did when I was working a day job plus <laughs> guiding. <laughs> yeah. you, you end up taking on more and more responsibility. And granted, when you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. But at the same time, you, it, it is a lot of hours away from the family, and you do have to be devoted year-round, not just within the hunting season, uh, to make it work and uh, to keep happy customers mm-hmm. every year. Well, and, you know, it was kind of a sad day. Uh, we were going to do this interview last week, but you said, you know, your truck finally went kaput. How many miles <laughs> did you have on that uh, that Chevy? That one had 330,000 on it, and uh, <laughs> I, bought, I bought it with a little over 100 four years ago, and uh, reti- it retired last week with uh, 330,000 miles on it. Goodness gracious. So, I mean, obviously putting the miles on the tires is a big part of what you do. Scouting is is a nonstop uh, job, and, um, you know, that's part of the deal. I mean, there's no shortcuts doing this gig. Um, one thing that I've noticed with you uh, just because I've been on, you know, hunts with you where you've had interaction with the landowner. It seems like you really have developed good relationships with all of your landowners. Sure. The, we work together. Um, it's for a common cause. They uh, they they know that there's value and uh, in their land being managed. They know that there's value there um, from a hunting aspect, and they know that there's a financial value there as well. A lot of times nowadays uh, you have huge liability issues as well as uh, people mistreating the land. Um, but if you if you create that quality relationship and you're able to manage it properly, and uh, we work together with many farmers and ranchers to where it's mutually beneficial to create new habitats for us and to help with their ranching and farming operations. And over the years, you get to know more and more folks, and for the most part, um, it's like anything else. You take care of them, and, and they'll take care of you just the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some days 
Brett, the birds just don't cooperate. Um, more so on, you know, on duck hunts. I mean, you've put in the prep, you've scouted, there's 50 birds on a tank the day before. And, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's weather or some other factor, they just don't show up. Uh, you handle that a little differently than other outfits I've experienced. And what, kind of what's your policy on, on taking care of your clients and under those circumstances? Well, we, we do it a few different ways. So first of all, we don't want anybody to leave unhappy. Uh, if we don't feel like we did our job for the day, we're not going to charge you for that day, or, or we'll go ahead and schedule another hunt for you. Uh, like you said, you can scout and scout, and those birds will be there every day, and for whatever reason, they just don't want to come back or they don't want to do it for you the next day. And it happens. It's part of it. Um, as much as you do, that stuff's still going to happen. So we invite them to come back on, to another hunt on us, of course. Um, we're happy to take care of them that way. A lot of times when we don't have the birds for a week or two, might have a lull in the season, we communicate with our guys the night before, a couple of days before. Hey, guys, it's not looking like it's going to be great tomorrow. We can reschedule for another guy, another day that's going to be good for you, or we can go out there and give it the old college try and hope for the best. And uh, most folks appreciate the honesty, and at the end of the day, if you get out and shoot a few birds and uh, you get to enjoy some time in the blind, most folks are happy with that. Right. Um, now, I know you're actually – on the road right now, you and Ben are uh, heading up to Kansas, and because you guys also do thermal hog hunting, which is another way you know uh, you help out the landowners, especially the farmers, just keeping those pigs. You're never going to get rid of them, but you know keeping their numbers down, uh, especially mm-hmm. in these cornfields and stuff that they want the hogs out of there. Um, how many of your clients would you say come from out of state? I mean, y'all are obviously heading up to Kansas, which <laughs> says, hey, we're getting a lot of business from outside of Texas. I would say almost half, uh, a lot of them from from up north where they don't have the hog populations like we do or any at all. Uh, a lot of state regulations in states up north will have no rifle hunting or no night hunting, things of that nature. So um, they just think it's crazy that down here in Texas, in their mind, you know, we're riding around on horses with rifles and a beer in hand and shooting everything in sight. But it's a lot of fun for them to come down here and do something different. So we've, we've got a good amount of folks that come out of kansas uh, nebraska and we're heading up to wichita right now to to do a show and advertise some some thermal hog hunting for the next few months as it starts to heat up mm-hmm. and what uh, what do you guys charge per gun for a thermal hog hunt we start at 250 um, we go up to 300 if you want to use our guns and ammo um, but that includes everything we'll go out and scout for you we've got about 50,000 acres of land just south of dallas that, that we can use for hog hunting and um, we'll scout for you days leading to, uh, we'll go to the fields, only the fields that we've been seeing pigs in, and they're mostly cultivated fields, crop fields. We'll thermal the pigs from the, from the entrance. Uh, if there's pigs out there, we do a spot and stalk. We can usually get within 20 to 40 yards, depending on the condition. And then it's, you know, one, two, three, go. And we'll pick <laughs> them up and we'll pick them up and go to the next field and do it again. Yeah. So, uh, and there's no kill fees or limits or anything associated with that ben will hunt with you all night if he has to to make sure he gets you on plenty of shots of pigs yeah and ben has hunted with me all night i think i've actually been on three hunts with you guys and hogs have died on every occasion so uh 100 success rate anyway when i've when i've been able to tag along and yeah and that's tough to do with you yeah <laughs> very tough to do. i bring the bad luck uh, no doubt um last question here is there has there ever been a day where you're just like man uh I just feel like quitting. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, I, I, I've never had a day quite that bad. I've been very close a few days this past season just because everything was a giant lake. Uh, I mean, gravel roads were now underwater. We're launching boats on county roads, and uh, duck season was very, very tough. And when you scout 12 hours in a day and 
in a normal day you would see thousands of ducks and pick the best place you want to hunt and when you go out and scout 12 hours in a day and you only see 100 or so ducks and there's just not any anywhere not that you want to quit but it, you're almost like when's this when's this duck season over so we can get the next duck season we need we need some fresh birds here and get it going yeah, again. yeah. well this should be a better season um give us your uh, your website and social media stuff Okay, you can check us out on the website at www.3curl.com. Um, that's three spelt out. Uh, or you can check us out on Facebook at 3 Curl Outfitters or 3 Curl Lease Connection. We still, we still have some available dates for hunts as well as leases for the upcoming season. Awesome. Well, we'll see you opening day of dove season, man. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. All right, take care. You too. All right. Our old friend Brett Jepson of 3 Curl Outfitters. And uh, like we said, it's not easy to make it uh, as a full-time outfitter and guide. Uh, there are no shortcuts, but it can be done. So maybe Brett has inspired one of y'all out there to say adios to that coat and tie and pursue your dream in the outdoor industry. Uh, maybe it scared some of y'all away. He said he works more now than he ever has. But uh, anyway, great stuff there with Brett. And that segment was brought to you by the 18th Annual Texas Deer Association Convention and Deer Auction, it's taking place August 11th through the 13th at the JW Marriott in San Antonio. That's the JW Marriott Hill Country Resort and Spa, August 11th through the 13th. For more info, go to TexasDeerAssociation.com. Man, just looking at the clock here, we've got to go, got to get out of here. Thanks to all of our guests today, Kirby Brown from Ducks Unlimited, Captain Mike Holliday. Enjoyed talking tarpon with him. Also, Jay Stein from the Quail Coalition and Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. There's a burial ground beneath a cattle herd. Mr. Henry Ford's building me a thunderbird. My thunder.